0: is taken from the theme for today. Press forward. Somebody say amen. 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 Press forward. Your theme is taken from Paul's Metaphorical language describing the triumphant Olympians of his time. Woven through the writings of Paul, you will find threaded this Olympic motif. In Timothy, he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course, I have kept the faith. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he says, Know ye not they that run in a race, run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain the prize. It appears that Paul was so profoundly influenced by the prowess of the Olympian athletes that he used the best qualities of these athletes to teach us about qualities that are necessary for us if we as Christians are going to win in the Olympiad of life. And one such quality is found in our scripture today which we will get to in a moment, to press forward. Now, you don't have to be an Olympian to understand the concept. To press is a last-minute, urgent effort made near the end as you reach towards a goal or the finish line. You don't have to be an Olympian to understand the concept. Press is something you do when you're running out of time or when you're running out of yardage and real estate. You know, when you're passing a slow car, and then you realize that someone is coming at you in the passing lane. No one has to explain to you the concept of press. The power to pass and pull over before you face a a tragedy, a potential tragedy, tragedy requires press When you're running out of options, when you're running out of hope. One of my friends is the Olympic hurdler, Edwin Moses. And I remember in 1987 in the world championship in Rome, he was running a race. For years, he had never lost a race. But this time, everybody was close on him. And right at the finish line, right at the finish line, Edwin pressed. And he won that medal by six inches. To win press is what you have to do at the end of a race. You don't have to be an Olympian to understand the concept, however. Every mother in here knows when you're about to give birth, near the end of labor, press is what you do if you want that baby out. You don't have to be an Olympian to understand the concept. It's a time when you give it all you've got. And sometimes it's when you give all you got left. In my life, there were times when I had to just press forward in spite of problems and trials and challenges. I remember getting ready to graduate from Oakwood. I'd been there for four years. And I was ready to graduate, I went to see my counselor where I was informed that because of some mix-up, I needed two courses to graduate, and they were both being offered at the same time. Well, without anybody knowing it, I signed up for both courses. Yeah. Yeah. Press. One day I sent a tape recorder to class A and I went to class B. And every day I would switch off. I know I couldn't get two A's, but I got a B and a C. But I graduated because I understood the meaning of press. I remember coming, doing a concert in. Spokane, Washington, coming over the Cascade Mountains in a small private plane, and it was dark and raining, and we crashed. Only plane crash I've been in in my life, thank God. Hit the runway. The pilot had forgotten to put the wheels down. We could have gone up in a ball of flames, but they told us, the FAA told us that because it was raining heavily that day, the the rain doused the sparks that could have ignited the fuel, but that's what they said happened. Let me tell you what happened. I was coming in on that plane, talking to God like I'd never talked to him before. I kept saying, Lord, I don't know why you are so good to me. And I kept hearing the Lord saying to me, no matter what happens, I'm going to take care of you. When we hit the ground and the plane stopped, the pilot shut all the electrical stuff down and started running to the door. And when you see a pilot running to the door, make sure you're right behind him. But as I was getting out, my host said to me, grab your bag with the music. Half hour later, I was doing a concert. Press as you near the finish line. As this church nears the end of this transition, it's time to press. Now go with me to the Scriptures, Philippians 3, 13. Book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 13. The Bible says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And then verse 14, I praise toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, the words of this scripture were written by a man who, to me, is one of the great heroes of scripture, the Apostle Paul. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. By his own admission, he was a blue-blood. He was a member of the tribe of Benjamin. By extraction and ancestry, he was a Jew, but by education and training, he was schooled in Grecian thought. His tastes were diverse. He was multi-ethnic and multicultural in his range of sensitivities. He was a true cosmopolitan man. He was a, a renaissance man. Though he was young in age, Paul had become a leading authority in Jewish and Pharisaical law. He had legends and leaders coming to him for counsel and advice. Even though Paul was so well favored, however, among men, Paul was not a nice man. He was religious, but he was not a nice man. He was demanding and difficult. He was religious, but he was malicious. I'm not talking about some folks in this church. I'm just talking about Paul. He was mean. He was a trophy of the devil. Religious but a trophy of the devil. He had become vindictive and cruel. You know, you know, it's amazing to me how low men will stoop in their quest for power and political leadership. I have looked on with curiosity at the leaders running for political office today. And all of them say they are Christians. And if all of them are Christians, for heaven's sake, what does that say about Christ? Christ. 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 The pettiness, the meanness, the malice, the small-mindedness, the childishness. If that's what a Christian looks like, what does that say about Christ? And it's disturbing how men and women on both sides of the political aisle in an an effort to score points and win elections, how they will compromise the most fundamental principles of kindness and courtesy civility and decency. I must admit, this is not only done in pursuit of national political offices, but sadly church leaders down through the centuries have had to call on the Lord to keep such propensities in check. I must tell you on more than one occasion, I've shared with those running for the highest office of this land that there is a title higher than that of the presidency. Higher than the president of the United States. It is a title, it is the title and honor of being a true Christian. Paul was religious, but he reflected more the character of the enemy of our souls than he did of Jesus. Well, one day in his role as bounty hunter for the Pharisees, Paul was chasing a band of new Christians, unaware that the God of heaven was tracking and chasing him. Hallelujah, God have mercy. The hunter was being hunted. The predator was being pursued and pursued by none other than Jesus himself. The Bible tells us that somewhere out on the road to Damascus, all around him, a light shone like the noonday sun, a voice spoke out of the heaven, a voice ringing with a thunderous query, a booming interrogative. Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul answered, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord answered, I am Jesus. And out there on that road, his eyes were open. Paul saw the mistakes of his life, the pride, the self-conceit. And he gave his life to the Lord. He began to pray over every defect of character he had. You know, sometimes God will shake you and get your attention. Yeah and he will set your flaws in front of your own face. You'll just be embarrassed all by yourself. You didn't hear what I just said. Nobody figured it out, caught you, saw you, but you go home just embarrassed. And those of us who have good wives know that a good wife is one of the best mirrors You will ever have. Good wife will show you yourself. Why you got quiet on me this morning? Hey. (laughs) She'll make sure you see us. I have a good wife. And she started lovingly, lovingly holding up that mirror before me while we were courting. You know that's a bad sister. (laughs) While you're courting, she's showing you yourself. She pulled me aside one day. She said, you know, I want to talk to you about something. I said, sure. She said, I noticed that you treat my pretty girlfriends better than you treat my girlfriends who are not so pretty. And if you want to be my friend, you got to learn how to treat them all the same. Some wife better go home and give that same message to her husband right today. Today, Paul saw himself, and the Bible says in Acts nine twenty straight away. Paul preached Christ in the synagogue. Everyone who heard him was baptized. They said, "Wait a minute! Is this the man who went from house to house arresting Christians? Is this the man who wrote all about the land spewing animosity against the followers of Jesus?" Is this the man who bound and gagged those who called on the name of Jesus? The people were amazed at the complete transformation in the life of the apostle Paul. But as Paul preached, did you know that the tables of opposition turned against Paul? Became intense and fierce. So much so that for his own safety, God sequestered Paul in Arabia. This man, who had once been an antagonist, who with calculated fury, had dragged Christians to be tortured and jailed. People couldn't believe it. Now, he has turned traitor to the pharisaical cause. This man who once killed those who dared to believe in Jesus, he's on the other side of the great controversy. Somebody help me now. He's now an advocate for Jesus. He's he's now an activist. He's a sponsor of this new faith. They call the he's a follower of the way. He's ready to repudiate every theological position that competes with allegiance or competes for allegiance with Christ. even willing to pay the ultimate price, this man who mocked Christians now honors the Savior. And brothers and sisters, Paul said, I confess I am now one of you. Amen. To stand with you, to labor with you, to go before a dying world, to proclaim a new faith. Now I want you to come with me. Now, What is this new faith? If you got your Bibles, I want to show you one of the most obscure but one of the most important scriptures in all of the Bible. Galatians 1, verse 15. Galatians 1, verse 15. Look at what Paul said. God called me by his grace. Look at verse 16. To do what? To reveal his son in me. Oh, hallelujah. That's what God showed Paul in Arabia. God called me. I, I believe in this little obscure scripture. God showed Paul the nucleus of of all Christian theology, the foundation of all our dogma, of all our doctrine, in this scripture, we find an essential teaching. I call it a preeminent truth. There are lots of truths. None are more important than this truth. God called us by his grace to reveal his son in us. I believe that all those truths are tributaries that feed into this truth. Every doctrine feeds into this truth. This is the overreaching, overarching goal of the Christian Christ likeness. It is the axis of our theological universe. Everything spins and hinges. Every truth we teach, every doctrine we hold dear. All find their origin, legitimacy, and anchor in this truth. Look at what the servant of the Lord says. She said, check this out, check this out. She said, in all the instructions of Jesus, he presents before us the character of God. In everything Jesus taught, he was presenting to us the character of his father. And here in Philippians, this same Paul writes You got to stay with me now. Don't go, don't go away now. Listen carefully. I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So I asked myself, what does this scripture really mean? I press toward the mark. They are gallant words, words of conflict and conquest. And and then the light bulb went on. Pastor, God showed me that Christ likeness, to be like Christ, according to Paul, was the true mark. For which we are to strive. Ellen White said it herself in a different way. Higher than the highest human thought can reach. Is God's ideal for his children. Godliness she said. Godlikeness is the mark. It is the goal to which we are to press. So, what is this mark that we are pressing towards? It is Christ's likeness. I believe the Apostle Paul was a brilliant theologian raised up by God in the early days of Christianity to affirm the centrality of Christ's likeness and the goal of Christ's likeness as being the eminent doctrine of the Christian church. What do I mean? You can call out the name of any doctrine that you believe in or any doctrine and I I want you to know I've been an Adventist all my life I've never met an Adventist doctrine that I didn't like I am through and through but I believe God has shown me this if the standard of Christ likeness is not what we strive for as our goal no matter the other doctrine without Christ likeness Every other doctrine yes. has no value Yes Unless the truth of God transforms the character, yes. this is what Ellen this is Ellen White now. she says, "Unless the truth you believe transforms your character, that truth, she says, is of no value to you. without Christ-likeness heaven is lost Uh, uh, do you believe in the Sabbath? Yes are you Christ-like? No then for you heaven is lost do you believe in the state of the dead? Yes are you Christ-like? No then for you heaven is lost Do you believe in the 2,300 days? Yes. Are you Christ-like? No. Then for you, heaven is lost. Do you believe in the prophecies? Yes. Are you Christ-like? No. Then for you, heaven is lost. Do you believe in the second coming? Yes. Are you Christ-like? No. Then for you, heaven is lost. What does it matter if you believe in the details of prophecy, but in your character, you are not prepared for the fulfillment of prophecy? God gave me a word the other day. God gave me a word. He said, son, because I know we got some conservative misguided Adventists who like to push in-time prophecies and get you all excited. And I have nothing against the prophecies. But I'm telling you, if you know the details of prophecy, but in your character you are not prepared for the fulfillment of prophecy. So God gave me a word. Let me give you the word God gave me. What you know may prepare you for the end time but what you are will prepare you for eternity. Yes, what you know no, notice I said may prepare you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. What you know prepare you for the end time, but what you are will prepare you for eternity. So that to me, it makes sense to me that while you're preparing with what you know, you better be sure that you're preparing with what you are, because guess what? Listen to this, listen to this. If you are prepared for eternity, you will be prepared for the end time. Oh, I hope I'm making sense here this morning. How much you've allowed God to change you and transform you will determine your preparedness for eternity. We must understand that when Jesus comes, the robe that you have on is the robe you will have on. And the only robe that will pass As a robe prepared for heaven is the robe, Ellen White says, the robe of purity of the soul, which is character cleansed from sin by the atoning blood of our Savior. If you are wearing this robe, you are prepared for eternity. She says the joys of heaven are prepared for those who reflect down here the character of God. Heaven is prepared. The joys of heaven are prepared for those who reflect the character of God. Not when they get to heaven. But what those who reflect the character of God down here. What you are and what you've allowed yourself to become. And don't worry if you are prepared for eternity. You'll be prepared for the end time. So keep your focus in the right place. Press towards that mark. That goal. Now, would you allow me to read you some things from from the servant of the Lord? She says, if we are acquainted with Christ here. Say it with me. If we are acquainted with Christ here we will be kind. If we are acquainted with Christ here, we will be courteous. We will be tender-hearted, patient. Brothers and sisters, guided by the Holy Spirit, Paul collapsed All the teachings of the new faith into one preeminent truth, Christ-likeness. Over and over again, Paul makes it clear. The paramount goal of the Christian, what we ought to strive for, what we ought to press towards, is Christ-likeness. Nothing is more important than that. And that's why Paul says, you know what? I'm pressing towards that mark because I don't want to preach to everybody else and miss that mark. Do you get it? Are we seeking for fullness when the Lord's people reach their, this mark? Oh, I, 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 I'm rushing and I don't want to rush. Lord, help me not to rush. When the Lord's people, I don't know why says, when the Lord's people reach this mark, they will be sealed in their foreheads. They will be complete in Christ. When you press towards that mark, she said the recording angel will declare, you are complete. You know, before I leave you, we are living in a valley between two mountains. Mountains of divine declaration. Matthew, Mark, and Luke recorded that Jesus cried out with a loud voice just before he died. But they never, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, never said what he cried out. If you look at it, look at Jesus on Calvary, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all said, he cried out with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. John was the only one who recorded what Jesus cried out. And you find it in John 19.30, it says, when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And when Jesus said, it is finished, that declaration was followed by a miracle of a resurrection. You, you, you do know that people came out of the ground. I said, you do know people came out of the ground when Jesus said, it is finished. The graves were open. Many bodies of the saints which slept, Matthew said, arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. And they went into the holy city. Oh, a whole lot of people got converted. I know that's right. Oh, you didn't hear me today. The second word spoken from the mountain of declaration will come from inside the temple. The seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. There came a great voice out of the temple from the throne. It said, it is done. So we are living in a valley between it is finished and it is done. And when Jesus says it is done, He will also say, he that is filthy, he that is holy, let him be holy still. Brothers and sisters, the church has to press towards this mark. Oh, I I can't give you everything Jesus knows. I can't give you, but can I give you this? Those who enter heaven must be one with Christ unless they should bear the same perfection of character that he bore while on this earth, they would spoil heaven. The reason we're not going to go is we will spoil it. Jesus. I can't give you everything. She said you are now, we are now forming characters for heaven or We are forming characters that will bar us from heaven. That's what's going on in the valley between it is finished and it is done. And everything depends on you pressing forward towards that mark. In my town where I live, we have some cleaners. Called 60 Minutes Dry Cleaners. Maybe you got one here in Cleveland, but one day I took a load of clothes and the lady asked me, when do you need it back? I said, oh, in about an hour. She said, oh, no, 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 no. That's just the name on the door. We can't have it back till Thursday. If we are not Christ-like, Seven day Adventist is just a name on a door. And God told me, as you get ready to go into your new sanctuary, you need to ask God to fill the church with new people. And I don't mean new names. I mean people who think new. Who talk new? Who walk new. There are some old, I, I don't, I have not passed this church, but I know God's told me there are some old habits that need to die right here in this church at this altar. Because if you carry them over with you, this church cannot grow the way God wants it to grow. You will end up in this new community with the same old reputation. You will be to this community, this new community. You will be like you'll be like bald men trying to sell hair growing cream. It ain't working for you, but you want me to join. It ain't changing you, but you want me to join. It's not transforming you. You're not even pressing. Oh, I got to tell you this before I go. I I I, I read one day of a of a of a of a farmer, a farmer who his state inspector came to. Inspect his farm. And he said, oh, I'm so glad you're here. He said, but I want you to know there's a, a, a bull, a wild bull on the backside of my farm. I, I, I would recommend you don't go on that side. The state inspector got incensed. He got angry. He said, listen, do you see this badge? The state has given me authority to inspect every inch of your farm. Farmer said, no problem, no problem. 20 minutes later, the farmer heard some screaming. He ran out and saw that state inspector running, the wild bull chasing him. State inspector shouting, help me, help me. The farmer shouted back, show him your badge. Show him your badge. We, lack, we act like our name is a badge. It don't have no power without Christ likeness. No power without Christ' likeness. But we show up in the community we show in our badge. It's time for this church. If you're going to press. Press towards Christlikeness. There's a song that I remember years ago. You know, I thank God for the old songs. I got nothing against the, old, the new songs. But some of them old songs. Some of those songs written by slaves. Oh, 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 dear God. Dear. I came across a quote. I came across a quote. And, and, and the Lord, I shared it with my wife this morning when I was studying. And the quote basically said, brothers and sisters, that you, you've got to believe. You've got to press forward. I'll find it. I might even give you it at the, at the concert. I might even give you, it it was life-changing for me. But, brothers and sisters, I want to give you the the, the words of this beautiful song from years and years ago. And I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Praise the Lord. I hope you got the message today. I said, I hope you got the message today. Glenville, press on. I said Glenville yes. press on yes. you press forward every day looking for more grace and power yes, sir. Yes, sir. hold up high the banner of Christ and the banner of Christlikeness. Yes, yes, oh I give you this last quote from Ellen White be strong and have good courage yes, sir. Yes, sir. she says press forward to do That which God has said should be done. Press.